Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader podcast. Our theme today is put a stop on your hurried, rushed life. Put a stop on your hurried, rushed life. So excited about today. The question is, is it possible for you to be a leader uh, for Jesus or servant of Jesus and not be hurried and rushed? Uh, think about it. Is it possible to shake off the pressure of constantly feeling I have too much to do in too little time? Is it possible to feel like I just can't take much more? I'm, I'm overloaded. Or is it possible to not be tired physically or emotionally or often spiritually? You know, is it possible to, to not to live in a relaxed state in your body, not stressed or a lot of anxiety or tightness? Is it possible that people around you don't feel like you're distracted or preoccupied? Uh, is it possible to make decisions prudently, prayerfully, thoughtfully, and not in a hasty way that you often end up later regretting? So we're part of all of us. A, a Western culture, we have to understand, that's obsessed with productivity, with doing, with speed. Almost every person and leader that I know would describe themselves as busy. Uh, it's how we measure success. It's it, it, this obsession with getting things done or being productive. It, it permeates the culture of the West, and it also permeates Christian subculture. Again, our greatest strength is the Great Commission, mobilizing the church for mission. It's also our greatest weakness, and, and that's why so many of us feel hurried and pressured or rushed. And so God has another way for us. And that's why you're here listening to this podcast with me, because God didn't make you to lead or live that way. Uh, he's offering you, he's offering me, he's offering us uh, a way to lead and live out of a deep, slow down spirituality with emotional health for the sake of Jesus' work in the world, and there's nothing more important than that, but we're invited by him to be, out of our out of our very being, a prophetic sign and wonder to the world that flows out of a life that's unhurried, that's unrushed, that's spacious, and, and that we can say, like, Paul, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Again, it's, if we can get here, what a gift we are to the world out of which the mission of Jesus will flow. The problem is we have one speed, and that speed is fast. I mean, think about it. We drive as fast as the speed limits allow. We, I, I push a button on my phone or computer, and I'm instantly speaking to someone around the world. Uh, I can post something on social media, and immediately someone sees it in, again, Africa, Latin America, Asia. Uh, and and, and I, speed, it's such a premium, we pay extra for it on websites, for bandwidth on our computers, streaming. I mean, there's a lot of money in it. And so... Again, these values of efficiency and productivity and speed, maximizing resources, it's so Western that I know that what I'm talking about here is so radical about putting a stop, I mean, a real capital letter stop to your life as rushed and hurried. Now, it's so. this is so deep. I remember I was speedy and overactive before I came to Christ. And then when I came to Christ at 19 and became a leader almost immediately, I was simply speedy and overactive for Jesus. I mean, that fundamentally didn't change for many, many years. Uh, and, and so few of us even see the problem. It's like we're on crack or heroin. Uh, we just simply can't stop. And so I've got a great 
burden for you. I I want you to hear this through this podcast or seeing it here on YouTube. Uh, and I want to invite you to join with me on this journey uh, to live a slow down, deep spirituality for Jesus. And so uh, we have an ebook that we've uh, put together for you. It's free. I want to invite you to get it. It's called uh, Spaciousness, Avoiding the Eight Traps That Steal Your Margin. Uh, go, go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash spaciousness. It's a beautiful ebook. We're excited to now make this available uh, to everyone who follows us. Uh, again, the ebook is called Spaciousness, Avoiding the Eight Traps That Steal Your Margin. Just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash spaciousness and uh, get your free download. I think you'll enjoy it. And it's a, it's a good, it'll be a good supplement to what I'm going to share with you now. So I want to I want to offer you some introductory comments uh, around this slow down, unhurried, unrushed life, and then I want to share with you some spiritual practices that I've been engaging in now for a couple of decades, well over a couple of de- decades, that have really helped me stop. Okay, so let me just begin with a bit of background of of a few things that have really helped me uh, slow down. First is, is it comes from a 17th century Jesuit named Vincent de Paul, who said this, he who hurries delays the things of God. He who hurries delays the thing of God, things of God. So every time I find myself hurrying, I say, for God, I say, oh, I'm actually delaying God by hurrying. And as Eugene Peterson wrote repeatedly about the word busy in front of the word pastor, uh, is a blasphemy. And uh, he said, that's like calling a pastor adulterous or an embezzling pastor, that the word busy and pastor are just, it's its 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 a blasphemy. And that Hillary of Tours diagnosed uh, busyness as a blasphemous anxiety to do God's work for him. And so we want to, it, it's helped me to say, no, that, that that's an outrageous word to be put next to my name. And I don't know if you're familiar with, I picked it up once, this book by a a Japanese theologian named uh, Kosuke Koyama. It's called Three Mile an Hour God. The book's not that easy to read, actually. But it does make a very insightful observation that Jesus, that is God in the flesh, he walked three miles an hour. Uh, that was the average. That's the average speed a human being walks, and and he notes that God walks. Is a quote now. God walks slowly because he is love. Think about that. God walks slowly because he is love. If he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its speed. It's an inner speed. It's a spiritual speed. It's a different kind of speed than the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It is slow, yet it is Lord over all the other speeds, since it is the speed of love. I love that. So the best long-distance runners who run the marathon at 26 miles an hour, they, they run, I'm sorry, they, they run the 26-mile marathon at about 13 miles an hour. Uh, cars go 60, 70 miles an hour on an average on a highway. Airplanes go about 575 miles an hour, at least the long distance ones. And spacecrafts go about 24,000 miles an hour. But Jesus, uh, our God, uh, is a three-mile-an-hour God. He chose to walk really slowly. Think about that. Let that sink in. So during his three-year ministry, he's walking from village to village slowly, three miles an hour. Occasionally, he he walked to Jerusalem a few times, about 80 miles away. Uh, That took days. Didn't take hours. And and then occasionally, he took a boat. And he 
it was rowed slowly by hand to get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So just think about that for a moment, that God in Jesus limited himself to three miles an hour. He was not in a rush. Uh, and we're just not used to a God who goes that slowly. And we have so many plans and goals and things we want to accomplish. We, we're running. And so part of the invitation here is to slow down uh, to catch up with God in a sense, slow down so that we see God uh, moving around us. So, uh, I, and I, my, my final little introductory comment to you has to do with a uh, question and answer I was with. Uh, I was a part of an attendance at an Urbana missionary convention many, many decades ago uh, where Billy Graham was being interviewed. Now, Billy Graham, uh, if you don't know, is the greatest evangelist that ever lived. Uh, he's preached to more people uh, than anyone in history, except for probably the, no, even more than the Apostle Paul or since the Apostle Paul. And uh, he, I was sitting there among 18,000 other people, and uh, here's what he said. And I wrote this down in my journal at the time. He said this. He goes, I wish I had prayed and studied more and traveled and preached less. Now, at this point, he was probably in his 80s when he shared this. Uh, and he paused and said it again. He goes, I wish I had prayed and studied more and traveled and preached less. And now again, Billy Graham, uh, oh, guy had real integrity. And this was one of his core wisdom lessons he wanted to pass on to us uh, in the next generation. I never forgot it. I wrote it down in my journal. So I got this statement from, not that I lived it for many decades, because again, I was so much part of the culture, but I never forgot it. I wish I had prayed and studied more, Billy Graham said, and traveled and preached less. Love that. So I'm going to share with you a few practical things I do. They're musts for me. They're, they're spiritual practices in a sense to help me live unhurried and unrushed. Uh, so I, I've been basically writing these things down the last few days uh, because I'm, I'm a hurry-holic. I'm a rushaholic. You know, I'm Pete. My name is Pete, and I'm a rushaholic. I'm a hurry-holic. And uh, I imagine you are as well because you're part of the wider culture. So here's some things I do, and I, I'm, there's 15 of them. I know some of you do take notes on this thing. Um, and Perhaps a few of these might help you as you put a stop to a life of hurry and rush. Okay. First, for me is Sabbath and sabbaticals. Number one is Sabbath and sabbaticals. That is the first place to begin to put a stop to rush uh, and hurry. Um, every seventh day, you have a Sabbath, a 24-hour period to stop, rest, the light and contemplate. You cease your activity. You rest in God. You delight in all of His things coming at you. But it's a. It comes out of a theology of your soil is limited and needs nutrients to replenish it that come only from God, and that comes out of a place of rest and delight. Uh, it's it's a life and death spiritual practice. And I would uh, number one. I that, that's number one. That's Sabbath and sabbaticals within number one. And then every seventh year, sixth or seventh year, you actually take a three to four months sabbatical. Why? Because you're not a machine. You are limited, you're human, you're fragile, and you need it as you're giving out for God year after year after year. And most of you listening to me, you're pastoring churches, you're teaching consistently, you're giving out a great deal. Well, that means you've got to be taking in a great deal. And I'm a firm believer that sabbaticals 
are the key to thriving, not over a decade or two decades, but over four to five, 40, 30, 40, 50, 60 years that you're bearing much fruit in your 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s by the grace of God. But you got to say to yourself, I need sabbatical. So working how you can structure that in. Okay, that's number one. Number two is, for me, uh, the spiritual practice of the daily office, morning, midday, evening prayer with silence and solitude as core to that. I have a rhythm in my days that slow me down. Uh, in fact, I take 20 minutes a day for silence in the morning and stillness before the Lord. Uh, and I do silence in midday and evening and often throughout the day as I can. But it keeps me from giving quick answers and trivial, trivializing things that are coming my way. It just slows me down the daily office. And again, I occasionally miss one, an afternoon prayer, perhaps, or an evening prayer. But Generally, it's that rhythm of morning, midday, evening, three to four times a day that just slows me down. Mini sabbaths, I like to call them. Thirdly, practice for me, which again is critical, is Lectio Divina, that is meditating on scripture. Uh, I like what Hans Boersma said, how he put it, he goes, love is the face of God. We see him face to face in Jesus hanging on a cross. And so I... I go to scripture to meet Jesus. And so scripture is my bread, my food, my life. And so Lectio Divina is a, I want to encourage you to look it up if you don't know what it is, but it's just kind of a four-stage process comes out of uh, you know, the Middle Ages. Uh, and so you begin with silence and you begin to read a passage uh, you know, repeatedly, three, four, five times. So I, today I was, I was in Psalm 139. Then you meditate on a word or phrase that speaks to you. Uh, you look for Jesus in it, and and uh, and you ask the Lord, what does this have to do with my life? And you look at your life today, your circumstances, your situation, the context in which it was written, and you pray, you offering it to God, you're letting God speak to you and maybe confront you, maybe lead you to gratitude, whatever. And then you apply the text to your life, and, and then you take time to rest in the love of God. Uh, before him. not The key about Lectio Divina is you're not hasty in reading scripture. You're not just going for lots of chapters and filling your mind. You want it to soak into you. And I love this. Love is the face of God. We see him face to face. The goal of scripture is to see Jesus face to face. Again, Lectio Divina slows me down. Number four, another practice for me really key is I follow Ignatian discernment in making decisions. That slows me down. In other words, I want, I want to make sure, for example, I'm in a place of indifference. By indifference, I mean I'm relaxed. I'm open to whatever God wants. Uh, I want his will, not my will. That's my posture. And then I'm following, I'm, I'm listening to God through my consolations and desolations. I'm allowing myself to feel uh, and by that I'm saying is that I'm not following my feelings. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to my desolations and consolations as they lead me towards God, my feelings leading me towards God or away from God. I'm listening to God inside of me. Again, for example, I get visions. I, I get dreams. I get ideas every few minutes. Um, but I need there's a sifting process that happens because I'm committed to a, a way of discerning God's will and I, I, I find the riches of Ignatian spirituality so helpful because um, so, I got my genogram to deal with. You know, some of my 
my pathology, my negative legacies in there. I've got hopes and wishes that are really good for people or situ- things I'd like to see happen, but they're just my hopes and wishes. They got to be sifted. What's God? I've got fear. So I'm, I'm sifting as I've got ideas and thoughts and I, I've got to sift it for the gold. What's God saying here? And again, moving through a process of Ignatian spirituality, consolations, desolations, making sure I'm indifferent, that, that, that process just slows me down. Fifthly, I lead out of my marriage. Now, if you're single, you lead out of your singleness as a sign and wonder. What that means is I recognize if, you have, if, you may, if you're single, your, your first vocation is to Jesus. Then sec- we have secondary vocations as married or, or singles. I'm married to Jerry almost 40 years now. And we've got four daughters. Two of them have families. But, but that, uh, because that I've made uh, a, a commitment to marriage, that informs how I'm making decisions, the pace of my life. And so the big decisions, I'm making sure we're on the same page uh, of discernment. And again, huge factor slowing me down. Uh, a sixth practice for me is I monitor love uh, and attunement and presence in me with people. In other words, one of the oil lights in a car for me is, am I rushing past people or am I actually seeing them like Jesus sees them? Am I attuning to them? Am I present? Um, it's so important for me because it's a real, again, sign, oil light in the car that boom, 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 something's wrong, Pete. You've crossed the line here uh, into hurry and rush. Very helpful. Seventh pra- spiritual practice for me is I, I, I have to be ruthless with my calendar. I'm a four on the Enneagram. I love visions, ideas. I'm a romanticist. Um, I always underestimate how long things will take. Uh, uh, so calendar, I hate dealing with my calendar. It's be- and I hate praying through my calendar, although it's it's but it's so important for me. Um, so every week, uh, when I start my week, I go prayerfully and slowly look at my calendar. I look at my month. I look at the next three to four months. I look at the year, actually. But um, it, it's hard for me. I'm just like, you know, it's, it's, but it's a spiritual practice for me to get out the calendar. And actually, I do with the folks who work for me. Uh, so let's look at the calendar the next few months, my calendar, as well as the, you know, EH Discipleship calendar. Um, but that calendar issue is, is, is big, big, big. Number eight, for spiritual practice for me is, I work or I seek to work two-thirds of a day, not three-thirds of a day. By, by that, I, dividing up the day into morning, afternoons, and evenings. So when I was pastoring, which I, you know, full-time for, for decades, um, I would only work one day a week, morning, afternoon, and then have an evening meeting. Uh, but the other days, if I had an evening meeting, I took off in the afternoon or morning. In other words, I limited myself as a human being, I'm not God, that I can't work a 16-hour day. I'm not meant to work 16-hour days, day after day. I know some of you may do that, uh, but God built you for rhythms in your life, meals, sleep, uh, and even work is meant to be limited. So I, for me, part of my spiritual practice is limiting my work to two chunks in the day, whether it's afternoon, evening, or morning, afternoon. Uh, it keeps me from being a rushaholic or a um, hurryholic at least functioning as one. Number nine, uh, spiritual practice for me is I'm consistently and prayerfully uh, looking for mentors in different areas of my life, whether again, it's, uh, or meeting with mentors that I have. Uh, it's that I'm learning, I'm, I'm committed to be learning and growing. It's very important that I'm always growing and learning. And so uh, I pray through that at different seasons 
uh, of people I need. Again, it slows me down. Number 10 is before I say yes to do something or commitment, I pray. Uh, I don't say yes right away to really hardly anything. Uh, I love Proverbs 19 too. Desire without knowledge is good. How much more will the hasty miss the way? Sorry, let's, how much more will hasty feet miss the way? When we're hasty, we miss the way. So a, a discipline for me or spiritual practices, people say, Would you, can, can you do this? And I think, oh, I can do that. Um, and I'm, my immediate desire is let me help. I can do it. I can, I can make a difference. I'd love to come in six months there. But I say, hold on, let me pray. Let me think about it. I'll get back to you. Great spiritual practice. Number 11 spiritual practice for me is, is something called uh, statio. Now, statio comes out of monasticism. And uh, in Christian monastic practice, there's something we're called statio. It's, it's the moment between moments. In other words, it's the pause for monastics when they go from one activity to another. So, for example, they're going into uh, their a midday office. They're moving from work into midday office. They'll, they'll meet and there's silence, uh, say, in the hallway before they walk into the room where they're going to have their you know choir or beginning their chant the Psalms. And uh, it's kind of a, it's like a, like a mini transition. Uh, and so we generally go from one meeting to the next meeting to the next meeting, one after the other. We, we, we set up meetings. Uh, we stack them up. A great spiritual practice for me has been I don't stack things up any longer. I have statio. I have pauses, transitions, mini transitions between things. So if I'm meeting with someone from one to two, I'm not going to start my next meeting Till one till uh, two fifteen, uh, I'm going to leave spaces, and that's fact. The older I get, the more spaces I leave. Uh, it just breeds in a slow down, unhurried life. Another spiritual practice for me that I do, and actually it's my number twelve, is I am regularly praying and asking God, God, what specifically are you asking me to do in this situation? In other words, I'm always growing in differentiation uh, versus trying to please others. Listen, everyone's got a plan for your life, uh, and you end up, so you, you have people's expectations coming at you. You have all these opportunities coming at you, but not, not every opportunity is of God. Uh, and then things come your way that are temptations to envy or copy somebody else because theirs is moving faster, better, more clever. And so by asking the question, God, but what are you asking me to do? Uh, what's your purpose for me within your larger purpose, which we talked about in the last podcast, it just slows me down to say, oh yeah, that's a really, that person's ministry is flourishing. That's even though in a sense it looks great, but that's not what you're inviting me to, Lord, right now. And God bless them, but you want me to stay on track and do A, B, and C. Great spiritual practice has served me well. My 13th practice is something I have done for 35 years, and I am doing it so long, I don't even think about it, but I realize it's a great spiritual practice, and that is this. I keep a list of priorities of the ministry that I'm leading before me. Uh, I also have a list of priorities for me personally um, that, are, that are always identical with the, the ministry that I'm leading. So a list of priorities before me, which I keep to four to six. Now, most ministries have goals for the year. Uh, I learned from a, a wise mentor that a, perhaps a better word for goal is priority. Because 
God is the one who you know determines the actual things getting done. But these are the priorities, and I generally keep it from f- to four to six max, you know, f- six priorities, and I keep updating it for me and my team, and I print it out. I will often bring it to one of my morning or midday prayer times before the Lord, and I revise it as necessary. Uh, and every time there's a, you know, as I think priorities for the ministry, I always bring it to my board. Now, if you're under somebody, a super, you're under a supervisor, you bring it to them. Uh, but it keeps me focused. That that list of four to six priorities, and I always have a date on the top. It keeps me focused, and it keeps our team aligned, and it slows me down. It's 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 Stephen Covey's quadrant two, important but not urgent. And again, it's so helpful in slowing me down because again, I I don't know if you're like me, but I've got lots of visions and dreams, and I just can go all over. <laughs> and it's so helpful to notice what God you've asked me to do, and I stay on track. Fourteenth spiritual practice for me, boy, you you must say, boy, Pete, you must have a lot. You must need a lot to slow you down. And the answer is absolutely do I. It is true. Twice a year, um, I will take our team and we will go offsite to a planning, strategic planning day or days. Uh, the reason that's so helpful in slowing down because slows things down is because it just makes a lot of no's really easy. And it gives you a chance to have some other people, key people in the same room for kind of a relaxed time to be sit, sitting down and say, what are our key priorities and how are we going to get there? Because again, as, as you know, once you start talking about things strategically and making plans with your team, boy, you realize things take longer than you think. But those off-site planning times are not just good for the ministry. It's good for my soul. I need to be with other people with uh, thinking about those things. And finally, my final spiritual practice is I consider part of my calling as a leader and follower of Jesus is I read. I, I, I take I make sure I have a couple hours a week. I would say to everyone one to two hours, but for me at least two hours a week that I'm I'm just I'm reading. I'm just I'm involved in reading prayerfully and thoughtfully great uh Especially Christian literature, but I'm, I'm just I'm reading important uh, things for the sake of broadening and deepening my walk with God and my wholeness. So again, I'm reading right now for it's an interesting book. It's a secular book, but it's very helpful in the history of uh, Latin America. It's, it's tremendous, uh, and I could list a bunch of books that I'm reading right now. But I, I just reading slowly and prayerfully is a spiritual practice for me that again, slows me down. So remember, we're part of a Western culture that's obsessed with doing and productivity and speed and uh, measuring success by getting a lot done. Uh, our greatest strength in the church, we've taken that into our into the whole church culture world is, uh, is our greatest weakness, which is getting things done. We're, we're rushing too much. So God has another way for you. Please hear my heart for you. God didn't make you to lead that way. Uh, he made you for a slow down, deep spirituality out of, uh, you know, with emotional health, because you know, emotional health and spiritual maturity can't be separated uh, for the sake of Jesus' mission in the world. So I want to invite you, please join me, join us on this journey that we do call emotionally healthy discipleship. 
uh, and put a stop to your rushed, harried life. And let me close by inviting you again to download that free ebook. It's called space. It's called spaciousness: avoiding the eight traps uh, that steal your margin. Just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash spaciousness. That's emotionallyhealthy.org slash spaciousness. And join with me, join us on this journey into a very countercultural, prophetic way of living and leading for Jesus that's unrushed and unhurried. Listen, God bless you. I pray God's good hands upon you as you begin this long, slow journey to get free from the cultural chains and hooks that may be in you. God bless you and have a wonderful, wonderful day.